You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for this Trowers and Hamlins podcast, which is part of our Rethinking Regen series. Across the series, we've been talking to a number of leaders and experts in the sector to understand more about what regeneration is and how we can all create places where communities thrive. Just to introduce myself, my name is Patrick Morris. I'm a partner in Trowers and Hamlin's real estate team. I specialise both in development and investment, and I've got clients across public and private sectors, which, relevant to today's discussion, I act for a number of local authorities on development projects. And I'm really excited to have here today uh, Tim Atkins from TJP Consulting. Tim and I have, until very recently, been working on a very large commercial-led development project known as Golden Valley down in Cheltenham. And I wonder, Tim, whether you might kick off just by telling us a bit more about your background and specifically uh, more about the Golden Valley project. Thank you very much, Patrick. Pleasure to be with you. So, yeah, I am a consultant in development and regeneration. I've spent most of my career uh, in that sector or working around that sector um, from sort of different angles of it, which kind of started me off as a town planner. Then I worked in leisure and leisure management, and that led me into leisure development. I've worked uh, for KPMG uh, as a consultant and advisor and then went into delivery and worked up in York to deliver a significant stadium scheme uh, with some commercial development around it. And then um, I came to Cheltenham in the southwest and uh, took a role with Cheltenham Borough Council uh, in 2016, which fortunately for me kind of coincided with the government's move to invest in cyber, cyber security in Cheltenham around GCHQ. And that gave us an opportunity um, to look at what that could do for Cheltenham and, and the wider Gloucestershire. Uh, and that, you know, led from being a part of my job to suddenly becoming all of my job. And I um, became the lead officer um, for the Golden Valley development. And we took that from being an idea about um, how we could support the developer of the time back in 2016-17 uh, to, to turning that into a public led project which um ended up having real national interest which has been you know significant not you know beyond national working with government and dit to turn this into something of real um global significance so uh, it's been really exciting project to work on and you know i think it, it is a great example of 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 what can be done by the public sector and part other partners um if they are minded to and they're both really interesting projects but i think Obviously, they're both more than about just the pure development side. We're really looking more about regeneration of those areas. What do you think, in your view, uh, makes a scheme more about regeneration than pure redevelopment? Obviously, there is a close relationship, but regeneration, for me, has to has to offer something else. Um, it's more mm. than just creating a building or, or a set of buildings or some homes. Um, you know, for it to be truly regeneration, you're looking for some benefit, some some wider angle, whether that's a social benefit or an economic benefit. And, and it's like, I suppose the expression is a win-win. It, it's something which triggers something else. And sometimes um, it's it's kind of staring you in the face, and other times you have to work a little bit harder to to find how 
how you can make that regeneration work and you know as with all things the everything's slightly different so so the challenges or, or the opportunities depending on how you want to look at it are, are always different but um you know if you if you I suppose the thing that gives you the drive and and, and makes you want to be that committed to make things happen is, is because of some of those benefits at the end of it that's always what's kept me excited about working in regeneration yeah, I could, I could see that. And I mean, not that I'm saying any of your projects have not been successful, but I mean, there must be kind of um, common elements across the ones that you think are the most successful. So what what do you think they are? Well, I, I think for me, it's always been something that is unique. OK, so so whether, you know, wherever you are in the country, um, and you're working on a reasonable size project, you, there is usually something um, which makes it special or that you can find something that potentially makes it special. And and that is the thing that that helps delivery and that is the thing that helps other people want to get involved. And, and frankly, all, all the schemes I have ever been involved with that have been successful have always been in partnership. And, and you don't get good partners unless there's something in it for everyone. So it's it's a kind of mixture of those three elements about finding something that's unique and a little bit exciting that draws people in. Then, you know, particularly if you're working in, you know, for local government or for the government, which majority of these schemes are generally driven forward or have an interest in, you know, you can't do that in isolation. Um, it has to be done with partners. And that mix of uniqueness, interest and partnership is the kind of the, the chemistry to success that, you know, from my experience has always worked. Yeah, and I mean, you must have worked with lots of dis different partners over the years. What do you think makes a good private sector partner when you're on the public side? I think, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this through the lens of uh, schemes which are ultimately driven by the public sector. And, you know, they you know, have to have private and commercial partners because it just, you know, won't work otherwise. So there has to be an understanding there that you, know, you you need a partner who has an understanding of what you are trying to deliver and generally speaking the public sector are getting involved you know for 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 another reason other than than making money and yeah. it goes back to that regeneration question is about you know social benefit driving economic growth there there, there is that something in there and, and it's very difficult if you if you want to find a good development partner, you need somebody who can do development and has a track record of it. But you need somebody who also gets excited about what that deliverable is. And, you know, that isn't a given. That absolutely isn't a given. Um, and, you know, it, you're going into long-term relationships and it is, it is difficult to judge, um, you know, how that relationship will work because it's, it's got to work both ways because big developments do take a long time and, and those relationships have got to work. So I think it's having that uh, sort of empathy from both sides, uh, understanding what, what, what each person wants out of that relationship. Yeah, and of course, on these sorts of public, public projects, uh, you often have a procurement involved and long, uh, a long-running procurement process with dialogue sessions you must have done lots of those, and then we were sat in a few uh, for the Golden Valley project. Do you think procurement works generally at the moment, and do you think the benefits outweigh the disadvantages of, of, of a long drawn-out procurement process? I'll be at the end of it. Obviously, you've tested the market and you know compared offers from a number of different bidders. 
Well, the the short answer is no. The the public sector procurement process is 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 complex and 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 challenged. I would say, you know, at the heart of it, I completely get it. And obviously, we need to push people to be competitive to make sure that they are testing things and make sure they're not doing things in a um, you know fraudulent um, or unfair manner. But I think the balance is wrong. Uh, I don't think it's good for business. I yeah, I, I know for a fact when we went out through the EU process, competitive dialogue, to, to find a development partner, probably 70% of the people who could deliver that project really well didn't throw their hat in the ring. Not because mm. they didn't like the project. They'd just been burnt um, before. And, you know, examples like a big development at Euston, you know, King, there's the whole list of them of people who you have lost millions of pounds putting a bid in and getting nothing from it and you know that's just you know i just think that is 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 wrong can it be changed and can it be made of more absolutely um you know you do need process there has to be process and and you know i completely believe in that but i just think the balance is slightly wrong and it's all very well and good people probably say oh it's easy for you to say um (laughs) what are we going to replace it with um, but you know, it's some, it's somewhere close, it's somewhere between a land deal, which is relatively straightforward to go out and just procure, uh, and something which has a little more rigour in it because um, a local authority wants to control, you know, potentially have some input into what those outcomes are going to be. Um, so I, you know, I do think it's important because there are going to be more and more. Where, you know, we're going to probably go on to talk about stuff about you know what's currently on the agenda in the moment, at the moment in the development world of, of incentives from central government, and. And a lot of that will be everyone will be chomping at the bit to sort of take part in these things. But then they'll probably realize that they're going to go after and procure somebody to help them with it. So it, it, it is it is a challenging area. Um, I'm completely agree there needs to be process. But I think the balance is a little bit out of kilter. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that, particularly on the development side. Just bringing it back to uh, the Golden Valley project for the moment. So Golden Valley was a commercial-led scheme uh, with the Innovation Centre right at the heart of uh, the project. I just wondered, what do you think the specific challenges are for a commercial-led scheme as opposed to one which is resi-led? Well, uh, on this, I'll I'll talk about the Golden Valley development in in terms of Cheltenham because issues issues relating to different schemes in the different parts of the country are are, are different and in housing so for example in in cheltenham there, there's yeah, housing land supply is very tight so so frankly houses will sell themselves because land you know there isn't a lot of land so so you know so it's not difficult um as long as you, you pro- go through your project well to um to take some land develop it out for, for housing, you know, that, you know, you can kind of, it's like spec development in Cheltenham. That is like spec development because the issue is about getting the land. It's not about bringing the development forward. Commercial has, you know, a significant different challenge. And again, particularly in Cheltenham, because uh, it doesn't have a history um, of building out a lot of floor space, um, particularly recently. So if you actually looked at the figures, um, you probably get a little bit concerned when you saw somebody was trying to build out two million square foot of commercial space um, and the challenges for that is that however many people are saying that they want to be part of this um, until somebody signs on the line and says that they're going to actually take some space with you the spec nature of that development comes at a much much higher risk 
Um, the outside of it, if it works all well, yeah, you're probably going to get a better return on your money. And the, <clears throat> the impacts, the social benefits, the growth, uh, all of those things, jobs created, you know, really, really help the flow. And I think it comes back to it. This is, this is the reason why the council, the public sector got behind this and, and took the risk because it was probably, it, it's probably too much of a risk for somebody else to take. Um, because you know you need somebody who's got that long um, long term vision uh, and long term buying for it. Um, so really, we were the only people. So I say we, the the council, Cheltenham Borough Council, were the only people who could really take that risk, and they and they did. Um, and as I have said in many presentations before, spending you know forty million pounds on a on a green field. Uh, which is a big, you know, big risk for a, for a small council, and um, you know, a very, a very, a very great opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we know the previous government was very hot on the levelling up agenda. Uh, Secretary of State Ministry has now changed to include the word levelling up, so that just shows their priorities. With the uh, current administration, do you think? Do you get a sense that maybe that may change? I. I think yes, and I think obviously the signs are there about the, the direction of travel. Um, mm. And you know, with all these things, you can you can see the benefits. There's, there's always there's always a good side that comes out of it. Um, that that you know, a lot of and you know, at the moment we've got investment zones sort of being wheeled out. I'm not really sure what's going on with with leveling up and and, and what's happened with some of the. The ideas behind that of the most recent round, and there's that still that clambering around of um, you know what what have we got to do now? Because frankly, lots lots of towns, lots of cities, lots of local authorities are you know desperate for for some support to to help them deliver you know their dream ticket and, and bring people with them. Uh, and most most local authorities will have you know that that great project that they want to get over the line. So. Obviously, now the the new administration nationally, uh, very much saying a more growth focus, which is great. Um, and but I think when you start looking at some of the detail around what's um, what's on the table and how that compares to what Leveling Up was or is, um, you know, it, it's it's quite a quite a big different approach. It's it's a much uh, it's, a, it's a significant change. And you know, I think you know, going on looking at this is like well, you know. How does that benefit different parts of the country? Because this might be great for one part of the country, uh, might not be so good for another part of it. Yeah, and uh, we don't have very much detail at the moment, obviously, about these proposed investment zones, what it's going to mean, where they're going to be. Um, do you think that's a good idea? Well, I can use an example for this. So, uh, most recently, look at the Golden Valley Development Project being driven by Cheltenham Borough Council and, and a range of partners, you know, strongly supported in Gloucestershire um, as something that's going to clearly benefit um, a wide number of people and really drive growth. A good example for me to use would be how circumstances would, would face the town of Middlesbrough because I'm, I'm from Middlesbrough. And it's very the circumstances and economic positions very different to that of Cheltenham and Gloucestershire. Um, and we, we we look at how that would face a town 
um, that, that, that has the opportunities and challenges as Middlesbrough does, and you compare that with Cheltenham. So I think you know it, it's quite chalk and cheat in terms of um, you know development pressure, development opportunity. Uh, uh, you know the fact that Cheltenham has GCHQ and a, and a massive uh, cyber ecosystem and, and, and defence ecosystem sitting around it, um, and you, you balance that against other towns in the UK. I don't think, you know, some, some of the way that you read the stuff about investment zones, the liberalisation of planning, simplification, acceleration, yeah, brilliant. But there is an opportunity if you're trying to create something through great master planning, you know, really having a, a we've got, you know, the National Cyber Innovation Centre to be at the heart of that. You can create, a, there's a real place making and place shaping opportunity. Um, and there's, you know, you know, people, you know, clambering themselves to be part of that. You know, we look at other parts of the country that have, you know, have greater challenges that don't have, you know, in some respects don't have that attraction. So therefore, the idea of having something that will attract people, accelerate planning, draw growth, the position is is different. And um, I don't think you can apply that nationally. I think you need a mixture of grant, you need a mixture of incentive, and you need a mixture of acceleration. Um, and, and potential freedoms. If you put that package together and then ask people to come forward to say, you know, what, what part of that would suit them best and how that would help them move their, their, their key schemes forward. So the different parts of the country are then going to be able to drive things forward. So, so it's not going to be a case of just saying, oh, levelling up, you know, here's £20 million, you know, come and get it. Because um, in some respects, that might not be the right thing. Um, for, for, for your project because everyone thinks they want money but actually sometimes it's not the thing that you really need so I, you know it's a really interesting issue it, it's challenging for, for different parts of the country um, but more generally you feel obliged to, to take part in the competition because if you don't throw your hat in the ring you know people will say oh we'll give you an opportunity you didn't take it and so everyone unfortunately now will be clambering around uh, trying to put their bids in by I think uh, Friday at noon um, yeah. with two weeks notice um, no, if you're not a unitary authority uh, that's a bit of a challenge <laughs> that's going to be this this week's challenge for a lot of people then exactly I just um, in, in terms of ESG uh, obviously we couldn't finish without mentioning it um, social value is obviously a big thing on these sorts of projects um, do you think local authorities could be doing more uh, to push the social value agenda all local authorities want to to drive. You know, part of what they do is about driving social value. That's you know, if they're not going to do it, who is going to do it? Yeah. Uh, and you know, part part of what every local authority doing is is, is really at the heart of, of, of their underlying role. Um, but does that come naturally? Have they got time to do that? Um, is it properly resourced? And, and generally, the answer is um, no, they don't. And um, it, as, as you come in into working with development and big developers, you know, to get that right, because, you know, I think we spoke earlier about having, a, a, you know, that relationship between developer and local authority. And, and if that is a good relationship, obviously, th you know, that's where, you know, you start making the honey. That's where things really begin to happen. But quite a lot of times, you know, that, that relationship doesn't exist and it's just a developer and it's just a local planning authority. And how do we, how do we get social value arising from that? And, and, you know, at the heart of this, um, really, is, is resource because local authorities probably don't have the resource and the time to, to, to make a good job of it. 
and, I, and I don't mean that in a root way. I just mean, you know, literally all the other priorities that they're dealing with probably outplay that one because there's a sort of a long burn effect with, with some of these stuff around development. And to me, this, this has a line that goes back to resourcing of planning. And we talked about, you know, incentives and and um, investment zones. But, you know, do we ever actually look at how we resource planning teams? Because, you know, they just don't seem to have the time or the resources um, to 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 put sometimes that those qualitative layers uh, and that relationship between the developer and the local authority. You know, if, if we're serious about driving social benefit and economic, and believe me, some of the opportunities that exist are, are significant. And if we're really, really truthful about, you know, really committed to, to getting the next generation um, to benefit from this, and, you know, people from deprived neighbourhoods and, and wards, it, it's really, really important. And, you know, from the, the Golden Valley development, the opportunity was great because we had some of the, the, the neighbourhoods of, you know, most challenged neighbourhoods in Gloucestershire, um, with the juxtaposition next to GCHQ, next to one of the, the you know the best performing um, schools in regionally in, in the UK, um, and then across the road you've got some of the highest pockets of deprivation, and you know with with this whole new new sector that people can work in that you don't even need a degree to get into and get a good job. I mean it's absolutely perfect. You know the the utter crime will be that nobody has the time to work with the people there and, and, and make that social value happen. And so that, yeah, it's quite a good example of, of, of that opportunity. And as I say, uh, you know, not everywhere is always going to have that, you know, that opportunity just sitting on the doorstep. But if you can't make it happen there, you know, what, what chance have you got when, when, when that opportunity is a lot harder to, to find? Yeah, we've been talking for years about how under-resourced local planning authorities are and uh, nothing really seems to have changed. Um, so that, that would be a great one to fix. That kind of links in with my next question, which I suppose is if you were prime minister for a day, uh, what would you do to kind of push the regeneration agenda? What, what more could the government be doing? Um, well, I, I think you would have to, to prioritise because, I, you know, probably being slightly unpolitical, um, I, if you wanted to make things have an impact, um, you might have to take politics out of it and prioritise things that could be delivered because you want to make an impact. You, my belief is get some things away that are likely to happen. Um, you know, in the first instance, or you know, find a <clears throat> find a set of schemes that are likely to happen but need something, and it goes back to that that three tier chemistry of is it grant, is it acceleration, or is it incentive? Um, and then then you know, looking at the next layer would be the you know places that that really need assistance and almost giving them some resource to help them find what it is that they need to do instead of you know constantly just just leaving it for them to put a bid in in two weeks time i would not be asking them to put a bid in in two weeks time i would be asking people to um have a bit more strategic thinking about how we were going to do that and and i think i would be getting my ministers and my civil servants to go out and actually have a proper conversation and a proper engagement to understand what's going on on the ground because it never really feels to me uh, like these initiatives have that component. That would be nice, I agree. Well, Tim, 
thank you so much. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. I'm sure everybody else would agree. Uh, and I think we'll end it there. So thank you all for listening. And if you'd like to hear more about similar topics, then please do visit our website at www.trowers.com slash responsible business. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.